Welcome in to the Morning Quickie. I'm recording this on Sunday night, so if anything huge breaks between now and when you wake up, oops, but I'm going to go ahead and assume that it doesn't happen. I might do that the way this way a lot during the uh, offseason. I do feel like we've officially hit the offseason for the most part, for the most part, but let's go ahead and let's get into it. I think the biggest story... At least coming out of yesterday, I don't. I think the biggest story of the weekend was the Lakers trade, but we'll start with the big news from Sunday, uh, which you're waking up to. It's Gary Woodland uh, winning the U.S. Open, his first major championship. He was a stud on Sunday, just big shot after big shot after big shot. Uh, score of 271. His total score was 271. That is the lowest at Pebble Beach. For a U.S. Open beating Tiger Woods in 2000. 2000 Tiger Woods. If you were to uh, kind of make a, a unlockable character on a video game or, you know, talk about Tiger at his apex, uh, Tiger Woods 2000 is the apex. Gary Woodland went into Pebble Beach and uh, did better than he did in the year 2000. Now, some people, you know, the course has changed a little bit and it's gotten a little bit easier. You don't really see those scores uh, you didn't see those scores in the early 2000s, but uh, so take it with a grain of salt. But Woodland was great. Woodland was great. Uh, Brooks Kepka looked like he was going to make a charge. He didn't make a charge, but he couldn't get over the hump. He finished his second. Man, Brooks Kepka um, in his last six majors. I'm just going to go ahead and read off his place of finish. One, as in first place, 39th, first, second, First, second. You know, five of his last six majors, he's finished first or second. The guy's an assassin. He's a robot. He's a machine. Uh, even more impressive for Gary Woodland to hold him off because, you know, Kepka does give you a little bit of that Tiger vibe, except, you know, Kepka coming from behind every now and then to win these. Uh, Tiger Woods, speaking of which, he got off to a really bad start on Sunday, but man, over the last 12 holes, that was some of the best golf he's played in a long, long time. And if he had been you know, somewhat in contention, that could have been a miraculous run. The back nine was tough. The back nine was really tough for everybody. Tiger played his final 12 holes six under. Pretty damn impressive. The problem was, I believe he was four over through the first six holes. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of, uh, kind of an issue. So there we go. There we're, we're three fourths of the way through the major schedule in the golf world this year. We still have the British Open remaining. It'll tee off, I guess, on July 18th. So about a month, uh, about a month from today is when the British Open will kind of shut the uh, shut the door on the 2019 schedule when it comes to golf majors. Big news of the weekend, the entire weekend, LeBron James gets his running mate as the Los Angeles Lakers. They mortgage the farm. They give up the farm, but they get a really, really valuable piece in Anthony Davis. The Lakers, of course, you know, got the fourth pick in this draft from the from the draft lottery. That was a big deal when they got it. Obviously, the New Orleans Pelicans getting the number one pick with Zion Williamson made them trading Anthony Davis a lot easier. So really, this this really uh, took an extra step on the lottery night when the Pelicans and Lakers surprisingly moved up inside the top four. The Lakers give up the number four pick. 
and two other first-round picks and the right to swap picks two times. So basically, uh, the the Pelicans can own and kind of control the Lakers' next seven draft picks. A lot of people were saying that's too much for the Lakers, but look, man, the Lakers are not in draft pick mode. They are in we've got the best player of the last 20 years mode, and they only have him under contract for two more years. He has a player option for his third year. I would imagine, I don't think he opts into that uh, pretty much under any circumstances. At that point, the $40 million won't be a big deal. He'll want to be able to kind of uh, pick and choose his future. But the Lakers, you know, like I said, they have LeBron James for two more years. It's time to try to win with LeBron James. And if the Lakers win the championship, they're favored to do so now just off the strength of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. If the Lakers win the championship, it'll all be worth it. You have to keep in mind, man, this franchise hasn't made the playoffs in what, six years? Since since Kobe limped out there with his torn Achilles and drugged them to the finish line, the Lakers were fed up. And they couldn't risk making LeBron James mad again. They couldn't risk another bad season. The West, the NBA is completely wide open right now. And the Lakers looked and said, hey, we can put two of the top seven players together. Uh, let's go for it and figure the rest of the things out. The draft picks, whatever. They might end up biting the Lakers. I don't think they will. The picks are unprotected, you know, in, in the mid-20s when LeBron James is probably not going to be with the Lakers anymore, but you still have a prime Anthony Davis. So that's been my real problem with people who are acting as if this is um, even relatable to what the Boston Celtics and New Jersey slash Brooklyn Nets did back in the day that, you know, basically set the Celtics up for the future and completely crippled the Nets franchise. The difference there was you were trading for old-ass Kevin Garnett and you know, no athleticism left Paul Pierce on a roster that was completely maxed out, uh, on a roster that wasn't very good. I mean, it was fun. It was fun. I mean, granted, they put that super team together as, or they tried to put the super team together. When I say that, it's like Brooke Lopez, Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce. They tried to put that together while LeBron James was at his peak in Miami. Uh, So this is a little bit different here in Los Angeles because, it's not old-ass Paul Pierce. It's not old-ass KG. It's it's Anthony Davis who is entering his prime, who will always be someone that people want to play with. So I don't think this is going to get as bad in Los Angeles as it did in Brooklyn. So I'm not worried about it if I'm a Lakers supporter. And I, look, I'm not a Lakers supporter, but I want to see LeBron James finish his career well. The NBA is better when LeBron James is at the top. If you don't believe me, check the TV ratings. Like People want to see LeBron either win or see LeBron lose. I just want to see LeBron be interesting and in the playoffs. I want to see what he can tap into in the playoffs. The Lakers have to give up, you know, three of their young players, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart. They got they were able to keep Kyle Kuzma. I think they wanted to keep Kuzma because he was, you know, just a $1.8 million salary. And, you know, Kuzma, I don't know. They think he's a shooter. He's not a shooter. He kind of needs the ball. I'm not a huge Kyle Kuzma fan, uh, but Kyle Kuzma is the winner, I guess. Uh, of who gets to stay in Los Angeles. Although, if you would have saw Josh Hart and Brandon Ingram's Instagram posts, they seem pretty happy to be out of Los Angeles and headed to New Orleans, but that's a different story. Now, some details did come out Sunday that's going to complicate this, and it, it, it's the timing of the trade. Right now, the plan is for July 6th, the first, t- the first day this trade can be completed, uh, that this trade will be completed, which means that the Lakers won't officially sign the number four pick which is probably going to be Darius Garland, if not traded somewhere else, 
and that's going to cost the Lakers an extra $9 million in cap space. So what that means is the Lakers uh, are probably going to have $23 million to fill out the roster versus $32 million. $32 million is the key number where you could get somebody like Kawhi Leonard or Kyrie Irving or Kimball Walker. Maybe they can, I mean, they're still able to go back to the table and decide that, although everyone keeps saying the signs are pointing to no, them just going ahead and getting this trade done as soon as possible because the Pelicans apparently want their rookie, if they keep him, to play in the Las Vegas Summer League July 5th through 15th. The Lakers have to, to, to drag their feet on this. The Lakers have to be, look, we're giving you so many draft picks. We're giving you these players. Look, we've given you everything you've asked for. We're not completing this trade until July 30th. That way we can go out and get another star. Although it could be a blessing in disguise because I personally kind of subscribe to the idea that the Lakers should be looking for uh, good role players versus a third superstar. That's what I would do at least. I would sign good role players to two-year contracts, keep them there for the next two years, and then kind of keep that roster flexible rather than getting someone like Kimball Walker, who I don't think is uh, who I don't think is worth maxing out. Maybe Kyrie would be, but eh, whatever. Could be a blessing in disguise for the Lakers. Maybe they don't actually want that third star. Or, you know, maybe they're just not very smart and Rob Polinka doesn't understand dates and salary caps. But just something to keep an eye on as the Lakers are looking to fill out that roster. If the Pelicans and them don't figure out a, a, a deal, you know, to push this back to the 30th, that costs them a potential $9 million in cap space, which is huge when it comes to them filling out the rest of the roster. Last little bit of sports news. Also on Saturday night, Tyson Fury uh, fought, had a circus sideshow. I mean, his fight was a joke. The Gypsy King, as he calls himself, or they call him, came to the ring dressed as Apollo Creed, kind of letting you know, hey, this is a spectacle, this is a sideshow. Came out, put on a really good display of dodging punches, and then finished the fight at the end of the second round. Made a quick little $12.5 million dollars. And, you know, keeps his star bright, keeps, you know, the stateside appeal. They were in Las Vegas. He stays in front of the American crowd. And, you know, the heavyweight division gets to stay in the limelight. He wasn't fighting anybody worth a damn. He was a, you know, a 1 to 20 favorite, even higher than that, you know, prior to Saturday. I believe he was a 1 to 30 favorite, meaning you have to bet $3,000 to win 100. So it was a joke. Uh, if you needed any more proof that it was a joke, Here's Tyson Fury singing to his woman after the fight. I can lay you awake just to hear you breathing. Watch you smile while you were sleeping. While you're far away and dreaming. I could spend my life in this sweet surrender. I could stay lost in this moment. Forever, every moment spent with you is a moment I treasure. Forever and ever and I, I don't wanna close my eyes. I don't wanna fall asleep 'cause I love you, babe, and I don't wanna miss a thing. God bless America. All right, as we kind of look around the rest of the world, I like doing these stories. You know that by now. Uh, we got through the sports, kind of look around the rest of the world, the tech world, some business sides. On Mondays, I like to do movies. Uh, the biggest, I guess, pop culture story of the weekend is that O.J. Simpson is on Twitter. 
No, that's it. No, I'm serious. OJ Simpson has taken to Twitter as well as a lot of parody accounts posing as OJ Simpson, but he's doing these very strange videos as he's sitting poolside and talking about things. So far, they've been pretty just introductory, although uh, this last one, the third one, basically tries to squash the rumors that him and Kris Jenner ever had sex and that he is Khloe Kardashian's dad. So we've already hit that point in video three. So I'm looking forward to the train wreck and the disaster that is going to be OJ Simpson on Twitter. You've had a lot of people you know, debating the, the ethical, the moral dilemma of giving OJ Simpson a platform. You have other people just sitting back and watching uh, the train wreck. In the box office, Men in Black International opens with the worst opening weekend ever for the Men in Black series, bringing in a measly $28.5 million. It is the third straight weekend that a sequel had a poor opening at the domestic box office. So, so far, they've pretty much tried to rely on brand names to get you through the summer movie, at least the kickoff, or at least uh, maybe the little drums of summer because, you know, Memorial Day, they started launching some fire, and then in June, it's really slowed down. Uh, Godzilla and X-Men Dark Phoenix, we talked about that last Monday, where X-Men was a disaster. Men in Black International opens up with the lowest, lowest box office total and the lowest rating, bringing in just 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. I went to the movies this weekend. I saw Dead Don't Die, which is kind of, uh, I guess, an indie film. Bill Murray, Adam Driver. I went to see it because, uh, you know, even Steve Steve Buscemi and and um, Donald Glover, Chris Stapleton had a big part in it. It was a fun but strange movie. I would not recommend going to see it in theaters. And I, I love Adam Driver. I know a lot of people hate Lena Dunham with good reason, but she gave me Adam Driver. She introduced Adam to my life on Girls, and I like him. He's quirky, he's funny, he's good. He was the strong part of the movie, but he was not enough to carry it. Well, like I said, I wouldn't recommend it. Now, we'll see. I think the box office is obviously going to heat up this upcoming weekend with Toy Story 4 hitting theaters. I can't help that I'm excited for the Child's Play reboot. I'm a sucker for Chucky and for Aubrey Plaza. So I'll make sure to check out uh, Chucky as well as Toy Story 4 because, hey, nostalgia. And not surpri- unsurprisingly, the uh, early reviews on Toy Story 4 are coming in as awesome. You may not have seen this show on HBO. You may not know anything about this show. I noticed it because it's been playing in the highlights really since Game of Thrones and I watched Big Little Lies. Shout out to Meryl Streep. Uh, but HBO uh, debuted a new show last night, Euphoria, who is one of the producers on the show, one of the executive producers is Drake. Well, it's about the high school life, kind of like Degrassi, you know, where Drake kind of got his start. But it's not like Degrassi. This one is a dark, dark look on the high school world. Uh, a lot of nudity, other adult content like drug overdosing and slitting the wrists and things like that. The show's creator, Sam Levinson, said there are going to be parents who are going to be totally bleeped at, well, totally bleep, totally bleeping freaked out, he says. There's already been a big uh, cry for this show to get canceled because of, you know, what it could do, what it could mean for the youth. 
I don't know how many teenagers are watching HBO. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't feel like I watched a lot of HBO in high school, junior high. Maybe times have changed now with streaming. Everything being on demand, you can get it on your phone. I don't know, but I don't know if that is the the big uh, worry here. But HBO is really going out on a limb with this one. Like I said, they're really taking uh, some high schoolers and trying to turn it into a uh, turn it into a talking point show and uh, tackle some things. Now, they've already drawn headlines because of uh, actress Hunter Schaefer, who is a trans woman, will be playing a trans woman on the show. This is an American adaptation of an Israeli show with the same name, um, which is which was really surprising because if we're uh, scared of it in America, I can only imagine how it's being received in uh, Israeli Israel Israeli. What a, what a dumbass I am, Israel. Uh, just something to keep an eye on. I don't know. I, I set the DVR. I don't know if I'll check it out, but I wanted to uh, to watch it just in case. Because I had, like I said, uh, seen the previews, and I was like, yeah, this seems uh, like a strange decision. But, yeah, the uh, there's already a swell of support to get the show taken off air. The creators and the director already had to talk about how they had to completely reshoot the pilot because HBO wouldn't air it. Because apparently the show's opening was supposed to be a close-up on a woman's vagina as she gives birth. Like a really in-depth look of it, which I'm glad they uh, scrapped as someone who hasn't had a kid, I don't need that to be my introduction to it, as well as like an opening scene in a high school in a high school locker room where they said they had way too many penises showing, like 80 of them. Too much, said HBO. We're not showing that many dicks. Last story here that I found interesting. Uh, Reddit co-founder Alexis Ohaney, Ohani, Ohani, Ohanian, O-H-A-N-I-A-N. I don't know how to. I don't know how to talk sometimes, which is kind of ironic because it's what I do. But uh, you know, he, the Reddit co-founder and husband and baby daddy to Serena Williams's kid, is working to make paid paternity leave the law of the land and is prepping to take the fight to Congress. He, you know, has been detailing his story of taking 16 weeks of paid leave. After his daughter was born, uh, talked about, you know, kind of how Serena, you know, she got sick and had troubles and how basically that, as he says, solidified the importance of paid paternal leave for him um, and, you know, other people. He says, I know how fortunate we are. And it's heartbreaking to think how many American families have to go through some version of this and have an existential fear of losing their job or not being there for their family when their family needs it most. He's like, yeah, we're rich. You know, Serena paid. Me paid. Most people aren't rich. Most people aren't rich. They can't afford this. Like, they're having to make decisions. Do I take care of my family or do I take care of my family by working and making money? So he is calling on a a 16-week paid leave for both men and women. He says only 15% of dads in the U.S. have access to paid leave to bond with their newborn. He wants to change that. He's set to go in front of Congress in October. So we'll keep an eye on that through the next couple of months. All right. Hope you all enjoy your Monday. Have a good start to your week. Uh, Do a show every day. Talk sports from noon to 3 on Fox Sports Knoxville. Download the Fan Run app. 
If you're listening to this and you like it, give me a five-star rating right here. Go find the Reed's Ranch, uh, whatever site you're using, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. I don't think I'm on SoundCloud anymore, actually, but iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Go find me. Give me a five-star review. Subscribe. And, of course, if you want to really support the movement, go to patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. All right, everybody have a good week.